nothing but stars Ain't trying to cause problems When I stumble I fall Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of Pewter Report Podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is the first Pewter post-game show of the year as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had their first preseason game, their only home preseason game of the 2022 season. It was a back-and-forth affair. The drama was apparent, went all the way down to the end, but unfortunately, the Bucks fell short by a score of 26 to 24. Jose Borgales had an opportunity to kick the game-winning kick from 49 yards out, but didn't exactly hit it right, and it doinked Doink. off the right post. But there's still a lot more to take away from this game, and we will get into all of that. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me, my co-host, my fellow colleague, Scott Reynolds. And Scott, Man, what a what a way to start this 2022 campaign. It was a loss for the yeah. Bucs, but ultimately it's the preseason, so it doesn't totally matter. But there was a lot to take away from this game. Yeah, there really was. Uh, the graphic that you just saw was Kyle Trask bouncing back. He bounced back from what really has kind of been a bit of a shaky start in the preseason because he's thrown a lot of interceptions. Now, he threw an interception tonight against the Dolphins. It was kind of a fluky play, though. Yeah. An ill-advised pass. He probably should have just taken the sack. Rashad White probably wasn't going to catch it or go anywhere with the ball, but it ended up being kind of a fluky interception. The, the, the clock in Kyle Trask's head needs to, to be a little faster, right? Because at the same time as he you know, took the sack where he fumbled, it was a scoop and score for the Dolphins. He also took a bad sack, I thought, in the second to the last drive that that forced the Buccaneers to punt the ball. So a little bit of, of that, that clock management, uh, not just the game clock, but the clock in Kyle Trask's head needs to improve. But there was, I think, some real big bright spots for Trask. Started the game five of six, led the Buccaneers down the field, 67 yards passing with a, a touchdown run by Keyshawn Vaughn. And then a nice, beautiful touchdown pass to Jared Stearns, 19-yard touchdown strike. They got the Buccaneers within two points, 23-21 in the third quarter. And then really, I thought he was pretty poised, and Todd Bull said he was poised at the, that final drive, completing a big pass, 20 yards to Jared Stearns again. Stearns really showed up tonight, Matt. But uh, that was on fourth down that helped move the chains and get this team into field goal range. Trask did his job. And I think bounce back from kind of a of an ugly period with those two turnovers uh, right around halftime. Yeah, and we will talk about the wide receivers. They were fantastic today. Well, at least most of them were. Yeah. But to go back to Trask, if you took out the nightmare of what was the two minute drill uh, to end the first yeah. half, I think overall it was a solid performance from from Kyle Trask. Yeah. I do agree with you. I think he held on to the ball just a little bit too much and his offensive line wasn't always there right. but it's just so crazy how this game kind of flipped on its head you know where you know starting off after the initial drive Aaron Stinney had a holding penalty it, it, it kind of derailed everything Blaine right. Gabbert and the Bucks offense was pushed back but like after that you know Gabbert has a touchdown pass to Jalen Dart and Tyler Johnson was balling out and then, as you mentioned, Trask comes in the game, obligatory Blaine Gabbert. Obligatory uh, picture, Blaine which Gabbert. Which, of course, we have to do. Yeah. But, like, Gabbert looked like what we expected. He was solid. Trask comes in, leads an 86-yard uh, touchdown drive all the way down the field, which Keyshawn Vaughn 
then punched in. And, you know, next thing you know, the Bucks are up 14 to three. Things are looking pretty good. Then it's 14 to six. Right. You're thinking, all right, they're going to have a two minute drill. Hopefully they score. If not, whatever, you're, right. you're going into halftime. And it was a house of horrors after that. I mean, the play, and I don't want to harp on the too badly about the, the mistakes that Kyle Trask made, because we should also highlight the, the, the good plays that he yeah. made, especially in the second half. But it's one of those things, again, when he was going to take the sack or should have taken the sack, it was like, why not just go down, all right? Because right. even if he completes that pass to Rashad White, it's as you mentioned, nowhere. Scott, yeah. there was, it wasn't even the fact that it was going nowhere. It's that there was three to four Miami Dolphins around him. Right. So it's like yeah. either he catches the ball, it's a negative gain, right. and you have to punt it, or worst case scenario, which is what happened, is the Dolphins picked the ball off and they scored literally the next play. So right. McCollum got absolutely cooked. Yeah. And they scored the next play. Then you're thinking, all right, that sucked. But, hey, quarterback, got to have the memory of a goldfish, as people like to say. Let's go down the field. <laughs> and, unfortunately, um, you know, some poor blocking by uh, Brandon Walton and, and, and Fred Johnson. And Trask gets stripped and didn't even just lose the ball. It was a scooping score. Yeah. Within a matter of four plays, Scott, right. the Bucks went from having a, a nice cushion of a lead to being down at halftime and kicking to Miami – to start the third quarter, which, by the way, Jake Camarda kicked out of bounds to start yes. the second half. So it was really that first half was such – it was one of those life comes at you quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> because things were smooth sailing for the Bucks, and then yeah. all of a sudden that two-minute drill, a house of horrors, and, um, you know, it made for a competitive second half. But that whole moment was like, wow, that yeah, things have changed. Well, I, I think the biggest thing, Matt, the biggest takeaway from that period of time – was that's probably when the Buccaneers should have called timeout and grabbed the Celsius, right? Because when you're when you're looking for that that uh, competitive advantage, if yeah. you will, over sleepiness, uh, if you need a little pick me up, like the Buccaneers could have used right there at that time. Um, I, I think that's what you want. You want to grab a Celsius. Why? For a couple of reasons. Number one, Matt, is the flavor. All of the different flavors. The peach vibe tastes like peach. The orange tastes like orange. The grape tastes like grape. Watermelon tastes like watermelon. And they've got some great combination flavors as well. Not just uh, the, the regular Celsius, but the, the vibes. The Arctic vibe, the new flavor, which is fantastic. The tropical vibe and also the peach vibe. Uh, folks, if, if you have not grabbed the Celsius yet, you need to do so, not just because they taste great. They also give you the energy that you need to sustain your healthy, active lifestyle. And they don't have any preservatives and no sugar. That means no sugar crash. And each can is packed with seven essential vitamins as well. So it's the great tasting, good for you energy drink. You can find them online at, at Amazon where you can subscribe and save, buy them in bulk, have them shipped to your house. If you're not sure which flavors you like yet, Go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, or click on those Celsius banners at PeterReport.com. Then at, enter your address, and all the different Celsius locations will pop up around you. Go grab a couple of, of cans, give them a try, and then head to Amazon, buy those in bulk. And I think the Buccaneers probably could have used some of that at, the, at certain periods of time in today's game, Matt. Yes, they could have. And shout out to the, the Arctic vibe. I've been obsessed with that drink yeah. lately. It's like having a slushie. So <laughs> definitely uh, recommend going and doing that yeah. um, before we talk about you know the receivers who had a great day and i want to talk about the defense too i think we should stay on track and at least talk about the right. the second half because we touched 
on it a, a little bit. Um, the touchdown to Jarrett Stearns was a great throw. It really in the was. Corner. And yeah. it, was a, it was a fantastic play for Jarrett Stearns, too. Um, I think my biggest takeaway, though, for Kyle Trask is the fact that he really did stick with it. Because I was yeah. concerned a little bit, especially in that third quarter, where you know things weren't exactly going the Bucks' way. It seemed like it was going to be one of those situations where he starts to get happy feet. You know, they change around the offensive line yeah. a little bit, and it, you know, it could have gone downhill. But you know, he stuck with it. He had that touchdown pass to Stearns. Yeah. But man, Scott, that fourth quarter drive to you know to get the Bucks back to the game. It was almost the complete opposite because again, it was like a two minute drive, and I right. tweeted like, if you like drama this Bucks game is for you yeah. because it was everything, the whole microcosm of the last week, week and a half of, yeah. oh man, Kyle Trask, like, what is he doing? He doesn't, yeah. he looks like a rookie again. Like what's going on for the string of less than ideal practices that he had right to, Hey, he's, he's turning a corner. He's yeah. he scored a touchdown for this team to, Oh my God, why is he throwing that ball in the second, in the two minute drill to again, okay, maybe this guy's got a little bit something. Then it was like, all right, now let's see if this guy has moxie. Yeah. Let's see if Kyle Trask can be a leader, if he can actually move the ball down the field. And you know what? It was not perfect. Um, a couple of different things happened, too. There was a couple of holding penalties. Bug Howard had a holding penalty. Yeah. One of the offensive linemen, uh, Hubbard, had a, a holding penalty once they were getting into field goal range. But, you know, the Bucks had a, what was it, fourth and 12, and Trask read the play well. Yeah found the window in between, you know, the defenders up front and the safeties. Jared Stearns made a great catch. Jared Stearns really made a fantastic catch. Tompkins made that clutch catch at the end to get them into field goal range, which what we thought was going to be the game-winning yeah. uh, kick. But, you know, no matter how many times the Bucks find their next kicker or a kicker that can help them win a Super Bowl like Ryan Suckup has, right. there's still always going to be that doubt in the back yeah. of your mind. It's a preseason game. You right. know, at the end of the day, it doesn't totally matter. But it's just kind of like we've seen this story before. Yeah. And uh, but you know, credit to Trask because he put them in the position to he did. win that game. He, he did his job, you know. And, yeah. And I think the the receivers did their job yes, too, right? They did. I mean, Tyler Johnson led the way with six catches for seventy three yards. They did have one drop, but really made a nice run after catch play, Matt, for twenty two yards, where he was kind of fenced in, bottled in a little bit, but then squeezed free and and then really showed some some afterburners a little bit. You know, he's not known as a fast wide receiver, but I thought Tyler Johnson did a very good job tonight. Then you got Kalen Geiger, who had a 26-yard catch, finished with four catches, 52 yards. He got some post-game praise from Todd Bowles. Jared Stearns, four catches, 51 yards, including the 20-yard touchdown. I'm sorry, the 19-yard touchdown uh, we talked about and the 20-yarder on fourth down to keep the chains moving. I, I just liked what I saw from this this wide receiving court, Matt. It was it was as good as advertised, and some of these players really stepped up and made plays. Now, the, the one person who's kind of absent on the stat sheet doesn't mean he didn't do a good job. Only targeted one time was Scotty Miller. Yeah, and and, and you know part of of the reason why Tyler Johnson is getting so many looks is because he's playing that slot receiver, right? Mm -hmm. That's that is the featured position in this Buccaneers passing attack. So he's going to get more reps. What that means for Scotty Miller is when you have those opportunities, you got to make the most of them. And he did have a step on the defender. I think that the Trask throw could have been 
a little bit more out in front, giving Scotty a better chance to make a play. Scotty's not going to win jump balls. He's not going to no. win contested catches. That's not his game. Uh, but, but again, only one target for him. And and the thing is, is when you when you're going up against all these different receivers, Matt and Jalen Darden only had one target, but it was a hell of a touchdown catch from a, a perfectly thrown ball by Blaine Gabbert, Blaine Train. But I I, I think that that this this receiving core battle is is really one for the ages in Tampa. I, I have, we marveled at it on Thursday's practice when they were going against the Dolphins. They were without Mike Evans, without Chris Godwin, no Russell Gage, no Julio Jones, and yet Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Jalen Darden, Jareth Stearns, mm-hmm. Kalen Geiger, all holding their own against the Dolphins in practice. It's not like, you know, you, you did miss that – that uh, you know that Fab Four, right? Yeah, you'd like to see those <laughs> course, those star players out there, but it's not like the Bucks passing game came to a screeching halt and and practice. It, if anything, uh, it kept chugging right along with with these unheralded receivers. Well, some of them are heralded, but I mean, right? Th- these 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 ten receivers that are essentially fighting for two or three roster spots, and some of these guys really made a, a an opening statement in the preseason. Sky, this decision for the coaching staff of what receivers are going to remain on this team for wide receivers five and six and probably should be seven is going to be so tough for this coaching staff i'm having a tough time picking who i would have uh, on this team and you know just to go down the list of some of the guys that you mentioned like tyler johnson you know what do we talk about again like this past week the last week and a half of okay he's playing great in training camp That's step one, but he has to string it together. And he did that against Miami and he brought that attitude. I wrote that story about like the fight that he was getting into. And, but that's a, it was a needed attitude. It was something that had to change with him. And then he brought it to this game today. When he made that catch across the middle and stopped and then pivoted in the other direction, it was his longest reception uh, of the game um for 22 yards right that was a talented athletic play yeah. that you don't see all the time he had another one where he, he had two defenders right he caught it the defenders were chasing him he ran like backwards a little bit and i always yeah. hate when receivers do that because <laughs> like if you get caught it's just like what are you doing but yeah. you know what he didn't get caught right and it got him a couple of more extra yards and got him the first down i thought he was fantastic there Scotty, again, doesn't really show up on the stat sheet. Yeah. He had the step ahead of the defender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's all well and good, but that's the Scotty that we know. Right. <laughs> we know Scotty can go yeah. deep. I still want to see him do a couple of, of different things. But also, let's also remember, Scott, the Jalen Darden touchdown, mm-hmm. you said you were, you were going, Scotty, Scotty. Yeah. Scotty Miller Scotty was, was more open. open on that play that's true. than Jalen Darden yeah. was. Transition to Jalen Blaine Darden. actually had two touchdown throws on that one. <laughs> Darden or Miller, and both Scott, of those and guys. And Scotty, I think, was a little bit yeah. more open on the play. We'd have to go back and watch right. the tape. But Jalen Darden, to his credit, he's looked great in these two joint practices. He especially, we, we talked about this a lot on Wednesday's podcast. Yeah. He was cooking yeah. number nine, who we're going to call Iggy, because his, his last name is very <laughs> tough to pronounce. Yeah. Who did he beat on that play to score the touchdown? Iggy. Iggy. So he yeah. kept doing with that. And then I cannot talk enough about Devin Tompkins, Jared Stearns, who you already mentioned. Yeah. And Kalen Geiger. The, the yeah. thing with all these receivers and some of the guys that we just mentioned, um, they're all making plays at different times. Like Stearns right. last week, leaping into the air, like yeah. taller than Shaquille O'Neal out there. Like, yeah. His athletic ability is through the roof. Tompkins, I think, out of all the undrafted wide receivers, has been like the most consistent with making plays, making catches. 
doing what he needs to do. And then, of course, Geiger, who probably, I don't want to say like least impressive, but mm-hmm. maybe if you were going to like tier them or rank yeah. them, I would maybe have Geiger definitely not number one, but maybe right. two or three. Well, I had listed him as one of those training camp sleepers yes, in my did. Fab Five because he's kind of, he's, he hasn't gotten the publicity that the Stearns and the Tompkins have gotten. And let's face it, both of those guys were the number one and yeah. two wide receivers in college football. Statistically speaking, last year, uh, we're talking about these undrafted free agents. Geiger did not have the numbers at Texas Tech after transferring from Troy, but he has looked just as good as those two guys, especially. I think he's come on more over the past week or so. I thought he made some fantastic catches and one-on-ones against the Dolphins, creating that separation. And uh, it, it's it's going to be a fun dogfight to see these wide receivers, you know, which which ones are going to step up. I wouldn't be shocked, Matt, if if they end up keeping seven wide receivers, if Darden ends up being that that special teams return uh, guy, or or maybe as Devin Tompkins, we'll see. I, I don't think it should be Rashad White. We'll transition to Rashad White in just a second. We do have a $2 super chat here from Leah. We appreciate all the super chats. Yeah, thank, you, Leah. thank you, Thank uh, you. Can you discuss Hainsey and the O-line? Matt, um, I, I'm going to say this. I didn't notice anything bad about Robert Hainsey, and and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to do the default because I it's tough to watch eleven guys live, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And there's so many guys you really have to watch, right? Uh, but the the default on the offensive line is if you don't hear their name, they probably did a good job. Meaning no bad snaps, no uh, you know errant shotgun snaps over the head. No holding calls or false or uh, false starts, and and no no sacks allowed from that position. So I think Robert Hainsey, they have to be pretty pleased with that. You also saw that Keyshawn Vaughn touchdown run right up the middle, mm-hmm. and, and and Matt, I, I think out of out of all of the offensive linemen that played tonight, the two guys that really had to play well and did at least in the initial first glance live were Robert Hainsey. And Nick Leverett. And it's interesting that Nick Leverett got the start at left guard and Aaron yeah. Aaron Stinney got the start at right guard. But in my opinion, and maybe you agree with me, if if Stinney was the quote unquote starting left guard, he would have been playing left guard tonight. And and you would have seen Leverett at right guard because they both practice uh, on the right side. But I, I, I wrote about this in the Fab Five on Friday. I hope this happens. I think Leverett is right now the best candidate. I don't think Luke Gedeke is ready yet, especially in pass protection. But but I think the advantage that this team has by starting Leverett at left guard to start the season at least is get him some playing experience, get him some games under his belt. If something happens, an injury or cramps, as we saw at mm-hmm. the end of that one practice happens to Robert Hainsey, where Nick Leverett has to go in at the center position and, and hold down the, the ship, um, at least he has some experience. At least he's he's just sliding over from this from the starting job at, at the left uh, guard spot to the center, and so I think there's, there's an advantage there. But I think at the same time, Nick Leverett is earning that spot uh, and and doing everything that that he needs to do. I did see there was one play where he kind of got driven back. He mm-hmm. he didn't he gave up some ground, but he didn't give up a hit or or a sack on the play. Uh, but I thought overall, Hainsey. And Leverett were the two guys the Buccaneers really had to see shine tonight. And at first glance, it looks like they did. And what a career arc that, you know, Leverett has already had. And I think going into this, and it, in his young career still, and like going into this, Stinney was probably 
the number one guy. And, yep. and you know, Leverett was probably a little bit more of like the underdog. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking of underdogs, the best place to go and play your fantasy sports and pick them is underdog fantasy. And they're 10 million dollars in prizes that you can win with best ball mania three and it's still going on uh the best place to play fantasy football is underdog fantasy their best ball mania three tournament has 10 million dollars in total prize money as i just mentioned best part is you just draft your fantasy football team and that's it no waivers no trades no in-season management don't have to worry about the buy or what defense your players are going against underdog gives you the best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year win Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code Pewter. That's four free entries into Best Ball Mania 3. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up for Underdog with the promo code Pewter, and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Pewter. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, first deposit up to $100 when you sign up. With promo code Pewter, even if you have a uh, you know a Plant City math education, you can understand that's a great deal. Uh, their pickums are great too. Um, just pick an over under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to twenty times your money in a single night. You could have done the Bucks preseason game tonight. You could do it next week when they play uh, Tennessee. Uh, it keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pickum slip. Get every pick right. Take home some cold, hard cash. Again, use the promo code Pewter, and your first deposit will get doubled up to $100. Buy Underdog Fantasy. One more time, that promo code is Pewter. Make sure you get out there and do it. But, yeah, to, to get back to the – sorry about that. Uh, to get back to the offensive line talk, um, you know, obviously the big competition right now, as you mentioned, is Leverett and, it, and it's Stinney. Yep. And I don't think Stinney overall was – like poor, but he had that holding penalty on he the did. second yeah. play of the game. And as you said, you only hear about offensive linemen usually when they make a mistake or they have such a great block that you right. can hear it from, from the yeah. press box. So Stinney, I had it like towards the side of most disappointing for that holding penalty and for the fact that he's in a competition right now right. with Leverett as his clear-cut competition. Again, get a key. In the mix, still learning. Seems like he's you know behind there, but yeah. I think it's the fact that you know Stinney, you know had, had the penalty. Leverett had that one mistake, and he pushed back. But the fact that he went and played guard, and then yeah. later on played center in the game, right? That's got to be a good impression on the coaches. Yeah. The fact that he's going to be able to move around and things like that. And I agree. Stinney, I, I don't know what happened, man. I mean, he goes from playing in you know the the playoff run and winning a Super Bowl mm -hmm. to now. He might not even he might not even make the team. So yeah, I agree. Or make the starting spot. Right. Yeah, I, I think he, he makes the team just based upon the experience. But uh, you know, I, I think right now it's 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 Leverett's job to lose, and we'll see how Gedeke. He's the wild card in this. He's made some progress in the run game. He just has got to step up in the pass protection again. With a guy like Gedeke, first of all, he's a second round pick. I know Ali Marpet was. Ali Marpet is a bit of a mutant. He's he's an outlier. He's a, he's yeah. a freak coming from Hobart and playing so well as a rookie. Uh, but keep in mind, not only is Gedeke going from the right side of the line at right tackle to the left side at left guard, he's also going from tackle to guard. He's also going from Central Michigan to the NFL. So there, there's, there's yeah. a, a lot of different layers to this. 
And I would not be surprised at some point in time if Gedeke ends up getting that job. I just don't see it on opening day. He's not the second coming of Tristan Wirfs or anything like that. Um, but but I, I think that job will ultimately fall to him. Um, I, I do want to touch on, uh, on on a couple of things about, uh, well, let's. we had a question about Rashad White. So let's talk about, about his play. You know, I, I don't think that he's a kick returner. And, and uh, for some reason, Keith Armstrong likes to burn these preseason reps. We saw it last year with Keyshawn Vaughn trying to make a backup <laughs> running back into a kick returner. And the problem is, is, is I, I guess the theory is, Matt, that, well, these guys have to have vision so they can read their blocks. Uh, but this is not the line of scrimmage. This is with 11 guys coming at them, and they only have a couple of blockers in front. Um, but I, I don't see the start-stop ability that, that you really need from Rashad White in, in a kick return guy. Um, so I, I don't think he excelled there, and I would not like to see him back there ever again. Uh, but what I did like about Rashad White is just that slipperiness, that elusiveness that we talked about, yes. catching the ball out of the backfield. He had a nice 12-yard run. Coquifed had a, had a fantastic yeah. pancake block on that play. Mm -hmm. And Coquif was also the lead blocker the on, on the Keyshawn Vaughn touchdown. Yes. So uh, uh, I got a little text from Jason Light. He said, you're going to go back and watch the Coquif uh, play, and you're going to see uh, other plays other than those two that he made. He's a fun player to watch. So that's that's one guy to keep an eye on um, when uh, when you go to the film. The interesting thing is is he's playing that Allen Cross role, mm -hmm. um, and you know Allen Cross was was a, a beloved favorite of Mark Cook. Uh, yes. We're talking gingers here, right? Between Allen uh, Cross and Mark Cook and um, uh, Coquif, distant relatives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as as Cam Brate told me in the locker room afterwards, he's like, man, Mark Cook would, would love Coquif yeah. uh, because. Not only is he a ginger, uh, he is a ginger badass. He is is a guy that that will. Uh, he's first of all, he's bigger than Alan Cross. He's playing that quasi fullback, H back, that move tight end role. Uh, and Cam's played that too at times, where he's been asked to kind yep. of be the lead blocker. It's not really his forte, but it is Coquif's forte. And I think that he's going to help this run game have a little bit of extra oomph. We saw Todd Bowles come out and run the ball. And, and I do think that they're trying to establish the run a little bit. Uh, not so much from a uh, from a game plan standpoint in this game, because you got to remember, uh, yes, I think the Buccaneers want to be more balanced on offense, but Matt, they have to get a look at some of these offensive linemen run block. Yeah. So sometimes you're going to see the predictable run on first down because they have to see Keyshawn Vaughn run the ball. And Giovanni Bernard run the ball, and Rashad White run the ball. And all those guys up front, the Hainsies, the Stinnies, the Fred Johnsons, the Brandon Waltons, the Nick Leverett's, they got to see them run block as well as pass pro. They do. And, you know, a little bit of mixed results today in the run game for the Bucs. They had 31 rushing attempts for 88 yards. So that comes out to a 2.8 average. That's, you know, not ideal. But as you mentioned with Keefe, you know, he put out a great audition today. Because Keefe. I think we've talked about we know what he's here for. Yeah. All right. But because you have Kyle Rudolph here, uh, you know, Camp Raid and Kate Otten, who is cerebral, according right. to uh, Todd Bowles, <laughs> it's one of those things where, sure, it's not as stacked as it was when Gronk was here. But I think the Bucs can get by with three tight ends. Do they keep a fourth? Well, Coke Keith is making that case for himself yeah. right now. To so go back to Rashad White, 
He led the way for Bucks running backs. He had seven rushing attempts for 32 yards. So he had an average of 4.6, yeah. which blew it out of the water compared to Keyshawn Vaughn, 1.9. I don't totally blame Vaughn, though. I, yeah. I don't think he got the best blocking when he I was agree. in there. Uh, Giovanni Bernard had 2.7 <laughs> uh, yards per attempt, and Kenyon Barner, uh, late in the game, 2.6 yards per attempt. But it's funny, I think White's – there's two plays that really stood out to me with Rashad White, and one was in the passing game, which yeah. I think – they're really going to use him this year, as we talked about. And the other, I think his best run of the game, or one of them, was when he took it to the outside. And that's kind of what we talked about, mm -hmm. where the Bucks run so much inside the tackles. Yeah. Let's see, you know, sweeps and different things like that. So it's just funny that one of his best runs came on the outside. But my favorite right. play of Rashad White the entire game was a key third down that yeah. he converted, where he was – it was a pass play. Right. He was in on the block. It was a third and eight, I believe. Yeah. He picked up uh... – he uh, 12 picked, yards or yeah. 13? Yeah, 13 yards. That was his first catch. Yes, it was uh, his first yeah. catch of the game. But the thing that was so important is the pass rush got in the face of Kyle Trask. And Trask did a good job of avoiding it, got the pass off to Rashad White, who initially chipped the edge rusher yeah. and then made himself open for the catch. And, you know, it wasn't an impressive catch. It was like a three-yard throw, if yeah. that. But it wasn't a wide open run to the marker. He had to beat a guy. He had to beat it, beat a guy to the corner. Right. And he did, he made the defender miss and he got that first down. That's exactly what we all want to see from Rashad white this year is, uh, you know, be a factor, especially in the receiving game, right. Make guys miss. I think we saw a lot of the quote unquote Le'Veon bell patience yeah. <laughs> that we talked about with, uh, right. with Rashad it, white. I think it can be a double-edged sword for him because yeah. I think sometimes he needs to show a little bit more of a sense of urgency. Sometimes the the way the hole is, you're only going to get three yards, right? Mm. And if you're only if if you're only going to get three yards, you need to get that three yards. You can't dance around and 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 only get one yard when when you could have gotten three because this is a game of of first downs before the touchdowns. You got to keep the chains moving, and and I think that that uh, that he's got to find that happy medium between. Being patient and, and reading the, the the blocks, using his vision, but then also realizing quickly that hey, this is a play that the blocking isn't there, or the right defense was called, and and I I gotta have a sense of urgency and get the the two or three yards that I can get, rather than kind of dancing around and maybe getting tackled for for no gain or for one yard. Yeah, I hear you, and but it's going to come with the learning experience. Like, yeah. I, I don't think we. Oh yeah, this is game one. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. game one <laughs> exactly. So right. he's gonna he's gonna see what's gonna going to work. He's gonna watch tape. He's gonna see. Okay, you can be patient here, but in this play, he's just got to go and hit the hole. And it's funny you mentioned like Keith Armstrong just wants to find a running back that can be a kick returner. I think. He oh, found yeah. lightning in a bottle when he first got here, and Dari Ogunbowale was yeah. like a solid kick returner, right. and he really liked Dari. So yeah. now he's like, all right, I can just do that with Keyshawn Vaughn. Nope. I could do it. That I like, with I like these White. receivers. You get, get either Darden back there, get uh, Devin Tompkins yeah. back there. Um, Man, Tompkins, his yeah. first return was it only went for five yards, but he made a guy miss, and he started heading to the outside. It's like if he just beat that one guy, I don't know if it would have been a touchdown, but right. it absolutely would have been like a big gain. So yeah. I'm excited to see what else they can do. I think Geiger didn't necessarily get to show everything that he could do as a returner. And we'll see if Jalen Darden gets reps yeah. in the next one. I know he's the incumbent, but right. I don't know. I thought he would have at least got one, yeah. but – We'll see. We'll see for the next. All right, game. folks. Uh, Adam Slyvon, uh, we call him Sly. He's uh, 
He's our intern, did a great job in training camp, has done a great job in training camp, and uh, was up here in the press box with us tonight. So uh, contributing there with, with a great comment. Uh, I agree. We also appreciate the, the super chat here. Um, who do you guys think will have the most interceptions this year? I, I guess he's thinking on defense, right? Instead of throwing interceptions. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I think Kyle Trask. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I really appreciate the, appreciate the podcast uh, sponsored by Celsius. Yes. Uh, I, Thank I, you so much. I, I'll say this. Mike Edwards is going to get more playing time, Matt. Mm. Uh, it seems like that's a safe bet. He just is a ball hawk. He's always around the ball. The Bucks did not play any of their starters uh, tonight. And, and, and that's probably a wise thing. But I, I think when it's all said and done, uh, Edwards is going to play more than he has in any given year here in Tampa. And he seems to make the most of those plays when he's on the field, getting those interceptions. So I, I, I would say if I had to put money down, I would, I would bet on, um, I'd, I'd bet on Mike Edwards leading the team. In that's, that's a good choice. Obviously he's the ultimate ball hawk. Um, I'm going to go with, it's kind of a cliche answer, but it's also not because he's had so many struggles with it. But I really think Carlton Davis is Whoa. going to become that all-pro type of okay. player. All right. And I think enough targets go his way, and I think he set the tone by getting interception yeah. um, in these joint practices. I know he doesn't have the hands, but I'm telling you, he's if he doesn't do it this season, he's never going to be able to be like an all-pro type of player. Yeah. He's got to get the interceptions. But I, I, I don't know. I see the confidence in him. I see just the – he had a press conference last week, and he was high on life. Like, he yeah, was yeah, so happy, yeah. appreciative well, he just football. got paid, Matt. He, he did just got paid. He's high on life, too, he with did, that yeah, he in did my bank account. Yeah. I understand he's had a lot of drops over yeah. the years. But I don't know. I think this is the season that he turns it around. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that for sure. Uh, let's talk about the defense yes, a little bit. Uh, one of the things that stood out is, is the Buccaneers came away with three sacks in this game. Yes. Um, Cam Gill had one and boy, you, you talk about like a, an opening statement. Yes. He, he made four tackles in the first quarter alone. And, and one of those was, was a key sack. His fourth tackle of the game was way downfield yep. after a 22 yard or 30 yard catch and run by one of the Dolphins receivers. So Cam Gill really showing some hustle there. And uh, the, the thing that stood out to me with his sack, with the sack by by Nelly, Anthony Nelson, and then the sack by friend of the program. Friend of the program, Pat O'Connor. Pat O'Connor uh, is th the fact that those three sacks came on third downs. So that's the money down. And and so I, I was pleased to see that they, they stopped drives and forced the Dolphins into field goals rather than touchdowns. Um, one thing I do want to say too, because while we do want to give Kyle Trask his props, I do think he's maybe starting to make some ground on Blaine Gabbard. And this will continue into the Tennessee practices and then next Saturday in Nashville. Uh, but when you look at, at what Blaine Gabbard did, 505, 56 yards and a touchdown, and he's still the backup quarterback. He's still the number two. We'll mm -hmm. see. Um, for the, tra the Trask detractors out there, I'm going to give you a little bit of red meat. I thought, and, and this is without my purple glasses on, okay, I thought former Kansas State Wildcat Skylar Thompson, who was the third-slash-fourth-string quarterback for Miami, who had a very good practice on Thursday, yeah. went wire-to-wire -wire in his first start. This is a seventh-round draft pick and showed a lot of moxie tonight in getting the win for the Dolphins. 20 of 28, 
for 218 yards, he did get sacked three times. Uh, maybe one or two of those was him holding onto the ball too long. That's that's what's going to happen for rookie quarterbacks. Uh, but he did have a nice touchdown pass, beat Zion McCollum. Um, Roasted him. Yeah. Like it wasn't even yeah. close. And, and Zion, this was a disappointing game because he's really got to step up. He's gotten a lot of pub and some hype behind the scenes from the office and the coaching staff. And I just have not seen it translate yet at all on the field in terms of making plays in the ball. He's getting beat way too much. But um, when you look at, at Skylar Thompson and, and Kyle Trask, uh, you could make the argument that Skylar Thompson was actually better because he had a cleaner game tonight in terms of not having any turnovers. And, uh, you know, it, that's just just an observation there. I, I thought that, that, that Thompson did pretty well. And we'll see how that shakes out. For the Dolphins, they already have Teddy Bridgewater as their, their, number, their two. number two. Yeah. But but maybe maybe uh, Skylar Thompson makes a move on that number two job the way Kyle Trask might make a move on that number two job next week in, in Nashville um, and, and, and gunning for Blaine Gabbard's job. And honestly, Scott, the turnovers was without question the difference in this game. I mean, yeah. the Bucks defense as an entire unit played extremely well. Right. I mean, and you look at like, the points that Miami scored, the first field goal of the game, the Bucks offense got backed up. Jake Camarda didn't really have a great punt. It, right. it went 50 yards, but it was a low-line drive, so the Gunners and everyone weren't able to get down there. So the Dolphins started their first drive of the game at the Bucks' 38-yard line. That's they right. didn't have to go very far to go kick a field goal. The two touchdowns Miami scored, it was the interception that put them right in the Bucks' zone, and then the scoop and score. Yeah. Everything else, the Bucks' defense only allowed – field goals and I thought that was a really impressive job right by them so it really just came down to uh, to turnovers and the Bucks they didn't get any turnovers yeah. so, um that's the one thing you could knock the defense for there weren't even really there's maybe one play where mm -hmm. actually two plays Don Gardner almost came down he did yeah. with interception he right. was mere inches from getting both feet down uh, and staying in bounds there's another tip ball that maybe one of the safeties could have gotten right. but there wasn't like too many opportunistic plays where they really could turn the ball over. So that's, that's a credit to, to Thompson there. Right. The Bucks did force a fumble on a kickoff, but ultimately it was recovered yeah. um, by Miami. But I thought like overall, I thought the defense was, did really well. As yeah. you mentioned, Cam Gill, the hustle, and cause he's one of those players, he has to win with the speed, right? If he gets locked up at the tackle, he just doesn't have the size. Correct. He's like, you know, he's going to lose that way. And he had three of those tackles on that first drive. Right. And one of the plays I was really impressed with too, you know, the, the Dolphins do so much misdirection and sweeps and yes. all this stuff. So there was an end around to his side. He did what, you know, an edge rusher is supposed to do and turn that inside. And then they were able to uh, to make the tackle there. I yeah. thought J.J. Russell, the linebacker, mm -hmm. played pretty he solid. Flashed as well, yeah. He did. He got a lot more playing time because, unfortunately, Grant Stewart got injured with the hamstring injury, like, earlier in the game. I thought he did a really good job uh, in pass coverage. He made some tackles. Um, up at the line of scrimmage, Ola Kunle, Farukasi. There you go, Matt. Led the team in tackles, or at yeah. least tied the team in tackles. So um, some good plays by, you know, overall, you talked about the defensive line with, with the sacks that they got. And obviously, you know, they're always going to be able to stop the run. So I thought there's a lot of promising things overall from the defense today. Yeah, I would agree. And and I think that, um, that you know, I, I think Todd Bowles probably deserves a beer. Uh, for for this <laughs> this uh, game that he called, and uh, I got some good news for Todd and some good news for all of you pewter people out there that that are beer drinkers, folks. We got an official beer of Pewter Report. That's right. 
you know, it's it's a pirate republic. They're out of the Bahamas and they want you to live like a pirate. And why wouldn't you want to? There are three absolutely uh, mouthwatering flavors, three different kind of beers that they offer here in the Tampa Bay area and across the state of Florida. We're going to focus on, and I'm just going to tell you right, right now what they are, the Golden Haze of Piracy, the Belgian wheat beer, and the Take No Quarter IPA. It's the best tasting IPA that I've had. I'm not an IPA drinker, and I drank one the other day on the podcast and loved it. I actually had another <laughs> one. Did. Yeah. I did. I probably loved it a little bit too much. Uh, but the Long John Pilsner, if you're looking for the perfect beer to tailgate with, if you're looking for the perfect beer to have out there by the pool or take to the beach, this is a crushable beer, folks. This is one of those where you can throw back a couple. Uh, it, it, it certainly lets you know what, that the party is happening. It's got a 4.5% uh, ABV, but it's the lightest beer, crisp and refreshing. And it, it's, it's got a, a, a light hops aroma to it. And it's, it's a toasted Munich malt brings out the depth. Uh, look for Pirate Republic and uh, Total Wine and More. ABC Liquors, Lucan's yep. Liquors, Party Liquors, participating retailers, and it's also starting to get on taps around the Tampa Bay area. Folks, if you haven't tried Pirate Republic, go grab a six-pack or a four-pack of the IPA and do so. We're not going to recommend a bad beer for you guys. Uh, we've actually turned down other beer companies that want it to be the official beer, Peter Report, because they just were not they weren't that good, to be honest with you. The, the quality wasn't there from keg to keg, from six-pack to six-pack. There was some inconsistencies. This beer is a beer that you're going to love. Uh, cheers, matey. Pirate Republic. Live life on your own terms. You guys are pirates, so why not drink the pirate beer from Pirate Republic? Yeah, make sure you check that out ASAP. I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of all three, but the, yeah. the Long John Pilsner is definitely one that, yeah. that I have enjoyed so um i i, I, I wish i had one right now i know yeah <laughs> drinking water up here in the press box and i want a beer right now <laughs> um i do want to speak a little bit and as we're talking about the defense yeah. uh we talked about the pass rush but anthony nelson i just thought in my opinion you know he's a guy going to a contract year i think we like him as a third outside linebacker but don't love him as the third outside linebacker but i thought he really brought it today yeah like, he, he had that sack but there was a lot of constant you know Pressure in the quarterback yep. space, making plays, the overall just the motor, the, the yep. high quality motor. So I was really like, I wouldn't call him my player of the game, but I was very impressed with what I saw from yep. Anthony Nelson today. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, to be perfectly blunt, he did not have a, a good day at all on Wednesday. When I watched the one-on-one pass mm -hmm. rush, he got stoned every single time. I think he lost all four of his reps against both right tackles. And uh, and I think he came in this game looking uh, for something to prove. And, and I thought he had a, a great game. I also, uh, we, you know, we, we talked about Pat O'Connor, friend of the, of the program, friend of the program. Uh, that, that had a, a sack in this game. He and, and Logan uh, Hall were doing some some TT stunts. Right. Yeah. And, and that's something that, listen, folks, you're going to see a lot more of. Um, you know, I, I had a chance to run into Lori Locust, the assistant defensive line coach up in the press box. She's one of the coaches that that uh, is is up here in in the press box is where we're at. we are live tonight. Uh, and I saw her at, at halftime and I said, hey, I said, I'm seeing a lot of these TT stunts. And she's like, oh, yeah, she's in what she was getting at is is the Bucks have some athletes up front now in Akeem Hicks, mm -hmm. Logan Hall. 
You're going to see Pat O'Connor get more involved in that because he's a movement guy. He's a quicker, lighter defensive tackle. So you might see Pat, who really, you know, he's had a, a sack and a half over the last two years and some very limited nickel rush reps. He's probably going to get a little bit more playing time this year, especially if he keeps performing like he did tonight. But what these TT stunts do is, is it's their their defensive tackles where where they're going to twist. You're going to have one guy that's a crosser, the other mm -hmm. one's a looper and goes around. And the Bucks just simply couldn't do that last year. That's not Vitavea's strength. It's certainly not Indomitus Sue's strength at age 35. Steve McClendon couldn't do it either. So it's really a part of of the Todd Bowles playbook that has not even really been unleashed yet. And it's it's something that that now you're going to see the Buccaneers being able to do more things up front um, and not just having to rely on a JTS coming inside at a position, yeah. trying to get some pressure inside. And he, and he did do a, a yeoman's job last year as a rookie, but you're actually going to see these defensive tackles more on the move up front. And that's going to cause a little bit more confusion and headache. It's not going to be just the straight ahead bull rush mm -hmm. by Will Golston and Dominican Sue and, and Vita Vea, they're going to mix it up with some different looks inside, probably run a little bit more under defense this year up front where they were running a lot of, of over stuff last year. So uh, kind of exciting to see that right off the bat. Uh, Logan Hall had a question about that uh, here in, in the chat, and he's a rookie, okay? Uh, defensive tackle, and I've, I've heard this from Warren Sapp, Brad Culpepper, a lot of the guys that I, I know and have covered. It is a, a tough position to come in and learn. Uh, and 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 succeed. I've said it before. It bears repeating. The the three defensive tackles that were drafted in the first round, and Hall was close being the top pick uh -huh. in the second round. So we're going to kind of count them. But those three defensive tackles: Warren Sapp in '95, Gerald McCoy in uh, 2010, Vita Vea in 2018. Each one of those guys, Matt, only had three sacks as a rookie. So. It's hard to come in and make an impact at the defensive tackle position as a rookie, especially as a pass rusher. Now, Hall has the tools, mm -hmm. but it's that experience. It's getting those timing, uh, the timing down on those those stunts and twists up front. It's learning how to take on a double team and get not get washed out of your gap, right? Or or fighting through a double team and pass pro when you get a center and a guard, you know, both on you. So it, it's a steep learning curve for the defensive tackle position. I think thankfully. He doesn't have to come in and start right away. That's Akeem Hicks's job. Hicks has looked wonderful in practice. Yeah, Hicks coming here, I think, is such a blessing for multiple reasons, but especially one of them being the fact that, you know, Logan Hall can kind of not take his time, but ease into becoming an NFL player a, a little bit more. And yeah, I would say, like, out of all the rookies, Hall is probably the guy that I've, like, noticed. The least the amount. Least, yeah. And, yeah. It, you know, it like it is what it is. It's growing pains, as you said. Defensive tackle, one of the toughest positions to like come to the NFL and, and really excel at right away. Like I still remember reading the stories on PeterReport.com about like Vita Vea's first season where Jason Light literally had to like have yeah. <laughs> a heart-to-heart -heart conversation right. with him to really get him going. And now look where Vita Vea right. is. So I really think that's important. Uh one last thing about the twist that you're talking about. It worked with a friend of the program, Pat O'Connor. It also worked later in the game with Benning Potolaki. Yes. Um, got in the face of Thompson. Almost got a sack. Almost yeah. got a sack, but right. it was a third down play where yeah. it, it completely, you know, ruined the throw and everything. So, got him off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really excited to see those stunts and what goes on there. And, you know, it's funny. That's what I want to say, too, is talking to Pat last week. He said that Todd Bowles 
is a wizard yeah. <laughs> when uh, <laughs> when calling defensive plays. So, yep. uh, you know, just adding another spell to his wizardry. I, I love it. Uh, we also love super chats, and we got a nice nine ninety nine super chat here from Trust and Vorbeck. Thank, Thank you very you. much. You may have talked about it already. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do the correction here. How did how did Robert Hainsey, otherwise known as Bob Hensley, how did he <laughs> how did he look? It's late. It's late for all of us. I, I uh, Trust and uh, we we kid we care. Um, and, and can he at least fill the gap for Ryan Jensen? I I think I think he he's he passed the test this week in practice. Yes. I thought he did a really good job against the Dolphins in practice. And he's, as Todd Bowles has said, he's not going to find a tougher opponent in, you know, in, in a game than he faces in practice with the yeah. Keem Hicks and, and Vita Vea. And, and so I think that facing those guys in practice every day gets uh, uh, Bob Hensley I think, uh, prepared I think, for. I think if for, if for game days, if Robert Hainsey plays well, he's Robert Hainsey. If he struggles and plays bad, he's Bob Hensley. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Thank, thank you, Trustin, for yeah. Thank you for the super chat. For the super chat, and also for our little comedy bit that we'll do yeah, now. We'll, yeah. It's either Robert Hainsey or Bob Hensley. Yeah. Uh, also, is Jensen officially out for the year? Do you think his hard ass can get back for the playoffs? Um, Peter reports J.C. Allen has been doing some digging, and we're not ready to really report anything yet. Um, we'll see. I, I think they're holding out hope. In about two weeks. Ryan Jensen is going to go to Indianapolis to get his uh, knee reevaluated, and the good news is he was he was uh, out walking around without any crutches. Videos on our Twitter account yeah. right now. Go check it out after this podcast. But yeah. yeah, it's right there. And, and so I think that's, that's an encouraging sign that he was out there walking around, and um, you know he's not ready to. You know he's even doing some snapping actually, uh, which showed some 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 flexion in that knee. Uh, not ready to play. He's not going to be ready for months. So. I think what the team will do is they're not going to place him on injured reserve right now. If they do, he's out for the season. If they carry him on the active roster after the final roster cuts, then they can place him on injured reserve. He'll be at at least a minimum of four weeks. It's going to take longer than that. Yeah. Matt, I've heard it's probably closer to three or four months. I think we're looking at after the bye week in late November at the earliest, if everything checks out the way the team and Jensen hope it checks out, in a couple of weeks in Indianapolis. Uh, but what this could mean is no surgery is required. And if it heals on a, on its own, maybe it's a partial tear as opposed to a clean tear of the ACL or the PCL or the different ligaments in there that, that have some damage. Uh, there could be a chance that we see Ryan Jensen later in this year when this team is, is making a, uh, a playoff push. Uh, another super chat, $10. We appreciate it. Thank How you. did, uh, headed to 45 meaning Devin White look in practice uh I assume he means Devin White 45 year old Tom Brady was only at practice one day this week that's, that's but true. if we're talking be. numbers then we're talking Devin White um so I, I'll say this uh what the plays that stood out to me were the pass breakups I saw that's Devin, exactly what I was yeah, thinking Devin was was great in coverage in one-on-ones in seven on sevens and 11 on 11s I thought his coverage was really kind of top notch against the Dolphins and so I, I, I thought that he really made some strides there. Again, we'll see how that continues in Nashville. Uh, myself, Cliff Welch, our uh, able photographer, and Josh Capo will be covering the Bucks titans practices in Nashville this coming week. Uh, the practices will be Wednesday and Thursday. We'll probably have podcasts because we're going to be in Central Time. 
I will probably have the podcast at 5 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. We'll still have to check with the team and and find out when practice is wrapped up and we've got to get our stories filed and all that. But probably looking at 5 p.m. podcast on Wednesday and Thursday. Then uh, Josh and I will be doing a podcast just like this after the Bucks Titans game next Saturday. Uh, are we starting Gabbard over the, the Brady guy? Uh, no. I don't, no, I don't think that's they, the case at all. They will not be. Uh, one yeah. last thing on Devin yeah. White that I thought was impressive. I agree with everything you said about the, the pass coverage and everything that he did. I thought it was cool the variety of how he was breaking up plays, yes. too. Where like one play, he was guarding uh, running back Miles Gaskin. Right. And it was a good play where he was right with them. Not totally sure if he got his hand on the I ball did, or yeah. if he just he hit Gaskin so hard that right. Gaskin couldn't make the play. The next one, he was guarding a tight end. Tanner Connor. Right. And so I like that he can stay with like the small speedy guys yep. and the bigger tight ends as well. And both times it was like close to the end zone. So, yeah, um, obviously we talked about that a lot with Devin White getting better in pass coverage. And um, yeah, it was a good step forward. Doesn't yep. mean that the problem is solved, right. but you know, it's definitely I agree. Uh, a good thing going on. Uh, JC Allen, who is a Jose Borigalis apologist, uh, joins yeah. the chat. It says Jose B still in the mix. Y'all made a beautiful kick from 55 yards out, which he did and made all of his extra points. He was showcased in this game. Uh, Ryan Suckup didn't take any kicks. I think we're going to see Ryan probably next week yeah. as he goes back. He was a former Titan. Yeah, he was. And uh, I think he'll probably get at least some, if not all, the kicking duties in that game in Tennessee. Um, and it was inches away from the game winner. Uh, at the same time – It was with, a 49-yarder. Yeah, 49-yarder. What, what what Todd Bowles did say is, is you're the kicker. you got to make the kicks. It's that simple. And yeah. uh, th that is a miss in, in a preseason game. That is a miss in practice. That is a miss in a regular season game. Uh, you cannot hit the upright. You can't miss kicks. Uh, you got to make them. It's that simple. When you look at the field goal kicking duty job uh, and the extra points as well, Matt, it is pass fail. Yeah. It is not A, B, C, D, or F in terms of a grade. It is pass fail. He did a lot of good things tonight. Yeah, he probably got like a B plus, I would say, if you yeah. were going to do it on that. But that's not – unfortunately, that's not how kickers are graded. And I think he deserves credit for the 54, 55, however far that was. Yeah. Like that was a really good kick. Am I overly concerned because he missed the one game winner? Right. No, not totally. But let's just say hypothetically, he's in that same situation against Tennessee. Right. If he misses that again, it's well, that's for concern. Yeah, okay. that's a cause for concern. That's two missed game winning kicks or kicks to put you ahead. This one would have been a game winning kick, right. but um, you know, and it sucks week, because he made the one right when Mike McDaniel's called the timeout to ice the kicker, yeah. which worked. Mm -hmm. uh, he he did make that kick. He went ahead and kicked it. And he made it and then came back out there and tried to kick it again. It just didn't hit the I ball think cleanly. I think what's so tough, too, is the Dolphins just kept hitting field goals and going field goal, field goal, field goal. And that's right. how they won the game, just by, like, a boatload of field goals. And then, you know, the, the Bucks hit their fair share, too. Yeah. But, like, when they finally needed that one to go and win it, it, it didn't happen. So. Yeah. Uh, Tom brings up a, a, a good point. Uh yeah, he means concerning, but yeah, the rookie punter didn't have a great night. Again, first preseason game. Yeah. He's going to learn. Listen, I had him on most disappointing, but it was strictly because he kicked the kickoff out of bounds. Yeah. We saw it with Bradley Pinion. That was a huge issue in the playoff game. If you're doing the kickoffs, you cannot kick it out of bounds. You will automatically make yeah. most disappointing if you kick the kickoff out of bounds. Last time I checked, Matt. And the Dolphins got a field goal. Yeah, that's right. Last time I checked, Matt. 
the field is 53 yards wide. Yeah, they haven't changed that. I don't know about Germany. Germany, Unless they've changed it, but I'm just saying it's like, yeah, 53 yards to kick the ball in bounds. And if you can't do that, I know sometimes they sit there and say, you know, we want to angle it this way, whatever. Uh, Listen, you got 53 yards, man. You should never, ever, ever at this level ever have a kickoff go out of bounds. Especially it was to start the third quarter. It wasn't like, okay, let's do something different here and, you know, try to do whatever. It's strictly just kicking it to the returner. Eric Cullison with the 999 Super Chat. We appreciate that. As we wrap up the show here, he says, uh, how has JTS looked across from Shaq Barrett? Has he looked like uh, he will fill the JPP role smoothly? Um, when you say JPP role, do you mean JPP of the 2020 Pro Bowl season JPP? Or do you mean the uh, injured aging JPP of last year? Because I think JTS has a chance to be somewhere in the middle of those two. Mm-hmm. I think you're still going to see some growing pains from trying Shoenka this year. Uh, he's still a work in progress. But I also think you're going to see improved performance and and some of the mistakes that he made uh, last year, uh, like overrunning the quarterbacks on pass rushes. Um, I, I think I think some of those are going to be corrected. He's been more physical. He's he's improved his arc in terms of getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, it's notable too. We were talking tonight. Elijah Ponder yes, had thank you two sacks yeah. that he missed because he looked like JTS last year at mm-hmm. times in, in overrunning the quarterback and not. And not coming down with uh, with Skylar Thompson, but uh, you know, like you said, Ponder gets like a partial credit for getting there. Right, he did half the job. Yeah, but you have to finish the job. You got, you got to. Like, all right, I'll job. pay you. I'll pay you half now, half yeah. when the job's right. finished. But, exactly. You know, <laughs> folks, we, we've got some exciting news coming up. Uh, we're going to be taking our Pewter pregame show on the road. We're calling it Pewter Report Tailgate, and it's going to be at Walk-Ons this year. They've got two locations in the Tampa Bay area, uh, walk-ons, sports bistro. It's it's New Orleans themed. And uh, before you go, wait a minute, we don't want a Saints restaurant down here. It's not. Matter of fact, Devin White, who is an LSU grad himself, owns or is part owner of the one in Wesley Chapel up by my neck of the woods. So uh, check out this, uh, this clip here from walk-ons, and we're going to tell you all about uh, what we have in store for you, Peter people. Uh, as the the regular season kicks off in just a couple weeks. This, this is a walk-on athlete. They push harder and put their heart into the game. This is the passion we're built on. It's why we put our heart into creating game day with a taste of Louisiana. Walk on Sports Bistro is the place to eat for game day or any day. There are over 100 walk on locations in 15 states, including eight in the state of Florida, with two in the Tampa Bay area, Wesley Chapel across from the Outlet Mall, and the new Midtown location just minutes from the stadium. With a wide selection of your favorite beer on tap, craft cocktails, burgers, and delicious Cajun and Creole inspired food, get in the game with walk ons. Happy hour. Is 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday and all day on Tuesdays. You might find me at Walk-Ons on Tuesdays, Matt. I was there on Thursday. But, yeah, going on Tuesdays is just as great. Walk-Ons is great for lunch and dinner, and especially for game days with a massive amount of TVs to watch all the action. Visit the Walk-Ons in Wesley Chapel in Midtown or visit them online at walk-ons.com. Matt, 
we're going to be having our pewter tail pewter report tailgate show live at walk-ons it's about a, an hour and a half pre-game show before every game home and away we're going to have more details as uh, as we determine which locations we're going to be at we're going to go back and forth between the Wesley chapel and the mid the midtown locations it's going to be fun we're also going to be joined by former buccaneer john gilmore who is going to be part of our pewter report tailgate show he's going to be live on location as well bringing his insight from his playing days yeah. and what he's seeing live with the the current version of the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Matt, any other insight that you want to dish out tonight? I think we covered a lot of the bases, everything from offense, defense, and special teams. Anything else stick out to you? Really just want to see how the, the return game gets ironed out for sure. I uh, want to see a little bit more of Tompkins and Geiger in that role. Uh, I think we could stop at the Rashad White situation um kate on too i thought he took some he, he had a catch for a first down um was involved in some in some blocking plays too. want to see how he takes the next step against tennessee because people loved him in practice yeah and i he wasn't bad or anything he just wasn't the focal point not that he's going to be right. in this type of offense but i want to see how he builds on top of that i think yeah. Otten was one of the storylines going into this i agree this practice so uh yeah i'm excited to see what goes on against tennessee because I think joint practices are way better for training camp. Yeah. It just makes the players better. It makes the news better, in, yes. in all honesty. And, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun stuff. There's yep. a lot of encouraging things from the Bucs today. I agree. So the tonight. Buccaneers have tomorrow off. That's Sunday. They will return to the practice field Monday. And then the Pewter Report podcast returns on Tuesday. Uh, I'll be flying to, to Tennessee where myself and Josh Capo will have podcasts Wednesday and Thursday. So this week's podcast Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then our po Peter post-game podcast will be live in Nashville uh, Saturday night. So look forward to that. Um, as Joel Elrican points out, uh, Matt, we did it again. This has been the best yes. episode yet of the Peter Report podcast. People, you Peter people, you were here for it. Uh, congratulate yourselves it's on showing one, up. It's one in the morning, and we it got is. all you guys watching. We yes. could not appreciate it more. Thanks. Thanks to everyone that that's joining Absolutely. in this. You guys love your Bucks football. And <laughs> we love you. Yeah, and we love you, and we're thankful that we can give you all that you know information. Yeah. If you want more information about Pewter Report, the Bucks, Pewter Report TV, if you like our content on YouTube, do us a favor: hit the thumbs up, hit the like button, and subscribe. It's absolutely free. It, all it does is it gives you a heads up about you know when we're going live with the podcast when we have new videos coming up we pretty much are posting one every single day if not multiple it's just more content for you yeah. bucks fans to read and view and listen to more things about your favorite football team and we're so, getting so close to nine thousand subscribers we've already gone over fifty thousand twitter followers uh during this bucks training camp um i think we've, we've added about uh, over a thousand Twitter followers yeah. since the start of camp. And we, we've added several hundred YouTube subscribers to our Peter Report TV YouTube channel. So if you haven't had the chance to yet, hit the subscribe button. It's free. It says subscription, but it's 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 free. Yeah. Hit that. Help us get to 9,000. We want to be at 10,000 during the football season here. You Peter people are great. We love every single one of you. And thanks so much for watching a Pewter post-game edition of the Peter Report podcast. And we'll see you on Tuesday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>